Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Well, good morning, Frontline. We doing pretty good? Yeah, good. It's good to see you. It's good to have you if you're watching online or even listening later. We're starting off a brand new series uh, today. It's called Soul Work. And uh, as you probably picked up already, the focus is on prayer. And so as I started preparing for this, uh, the statement that came to my mind that I figured I would share with you is, I am tired of paying the fat tax. Anybody else? Do you know what the fat tax is? The fat tax is a gym membership with no gym working out. You know what I'm talking about? Like what we, we donate to the gym. So right now, I, I'm a great donor of the local West Michigan gym. Uh, I love to donate and just give to them and get nothing in return. I don't work out. I don't run. I don't do any of that. And I haven't for at least a few months. And so I, it's called the fat tax, if you don't know that. So this last week, I decided I'm done paying this. I'm actually going to get something for my money, right? West Michigan Dutch mentality kicking in. So I decide I'm leaving here on a Monday. Blake Sharon, like he, you know, he plans and he thinks ahead and he calculates cost. I, apparently I don't do that. So on Monday I was like, I'm, I'm breaking this, this fast, I guess, from the gym. So I got in my truck, I started driving and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to the gym. So I pulled in. I didn't prepare. I didn't even have the clothes, right? I walked in. I was so pumped up and fired up. I walked into that gym like Muhammad Ali, ready to throw it down in my cargo shorts and long sleeve shirt. I went straight for the stair stepper and I sweat through every piece of clothing I had on my body for 12 minutes. That's what I did. I was like, the fat tax has nothing on me. It's over, right? I'm, I'm on the stair stepper, arms raised. Like People are like, wow, he's so spiritual. Nope, trying to breathe, trying to breathe. <laughs> Opening up the lungs, getting airflow in. I was done with the fat tax. Here, here's why I say this. Uh, I think a lot of us are paying the fat tax on prayer. I think a lot of us are paying the fat tax on prayer. What's the fat tax on prayer? You go through the motions, you do the thing, you show up to church, you sing the songs, maybe you read your Bible, you're connected into a small group. But prayer, this peace that brings you in to the actual presence of God, a lot of us go, no, I'm good, I'm good without. I'll just kind of go through the motions, I'll do the whole religious thing, I'll I'll put on maybe a show or or, uh, maybe like this posture that like, yeah, I I got it together and I'm prayerful and spiritual and and of course I pray, but like in in the secret place or or behind the scenes or what people can't see, we're, we're actually not engaging in that piece of prayer. That was me, that was my life for so much of my growing up. My dad was a pastor. I grew up and I didn't quite know how to pray. So there's a a decent piece of me that just kind of avoided it. Like I I just, I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't want to head into that space. Like, because we know when we step into that space, God changes something inside of us. So if we're hesitant to change or resistant to change, prayer is probably the last on our list of things to do. So you guys know this, uh, especially with the weather starting to turn now, all the races are starting, marathons and half marathons and 5k and good for you if that's you, okay? Good for you. I don't like those. I don't do that. But I was curious and I I looked it up because here's my curiosity. Those that run a marathon, right? 26.2 miles. 
That is a feat. Longest I've ever ran was four miles. Felt like my feet were going to fall off. I'm watching people run 26.2 miles. And here was my question. How far do they run as they prepare? How far do they run as they prepare? The average person, the average person in the room would start training 20 weeks in advance. They would start out small. They would build up. They would run on average 600 to 750 miles in preparation for a 26-mile race. 600 to 700, I can't do four, ladies and gentlemen, 600 to 750 miles of preparation. And that's if you're average. If you're a professional, you're running between 1,500 and 2,100 miles in preparation for a race. That means the actual race is like 4% or less of the total miles ran in that period. Prayer is a lot like that. Prayer is this invitation to a secret place where we get to meet with our creator, where God makes himself available to us, where we can actually step in and move into his presence. But most of the time it's in secret. It's in the quiet place. It's in the prayer closet. It's at home. It's it's in your bedroom. It's on your knees at night. The invitation for prayer is not one that says, come step on this stage and pray. The invitation to prayer that God has for us is one-on-one. It's intimate. It's quiet, it's secret, and it's powerful. God has an invitation for us, not just even in prayer, but all all throughout this summer, which is why we're in this series called Soul Work. Prayer, the reason this is our first one, it's an inward discipline. Prayer actually ushers us into the presence of God, and all of these other spiritual disciplines kind of link arms with prayer, and and they just build together. We, We have such a cool opportunity as a church this summer to engage, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, whether you listen later, wherever it is, we, we are moving in the direction of taking care of our souls this summer. So to do that, we're, we're starting with prayer, but I want to take you uh, to the book of Acts. If you have a Bible, open up your Bible. We're in Acts 1 and Acts 2. I love the book of Acts. There's lots of action in the book of Acts, right? There's lots of cool things that happen, and the Holy Spirit shows up and moves, and there's power and conversions and signs and wonders. I mean, the, the book of Acts is exciting. I mean, it's absolutely incredible, but there's pieces in the book of Acts that I've missed until preparing for today's message. In fact, the the piece that sticks out to me in the book of Acts, uh, very early on, Acts 1 and Acts 2, Jesus is with his disciples. He's with them for 40 more days before he ascends into heaven. And when he ascends, his disciples, there's literally a group and a gathering, and they're standing together, and they watch Jesus ascend up into the clouds, and then angels show up, and they say, what are you doing? What do you mean, what are we doing? We just watched something we've never seen before. They said, what are you doing? And and for the disciples, it, it was game time now. Jesus said, I came, I came to establish and to build my church. So it's game time. It's go time, right? You can imagine all the the type A disciples in the mix that say, we got things to do, places to go, sermons to preach, people to take care of, money to raise. We, We have things to do. You know what's crazy? They don't do that. The disciples that Jesus spent so much intentional time with, when Jesus ascends, when he leaves, the first thing they do is not jump into doing They do something totally different. Acts 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in, say it with me, prayer. I've missed this. I've read this a bunch. You'll you'll see there's other stuff in the book of Acts that sticks out that, like in in one of them, there's 3,000 people that come to faith in Jesus in one day. 
One sermon. 3,000 people in public, in the square. Peter's proclaiming. He has power and courage and boldness. And he preaches and he says, this is Jesus whom you crucified. But he came back to life. He is God. He is creator. He is king. He is it. And 3,000 people say, amen. It's powerful. I remember that part. I don't remember Acts 1, 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Catch this. The movement of the church started in prayer. So then all these crazy things happen, right? People come to faith, this move of the Holy Spirit. Even the writer of Acts, his name is Luke. He says the Holy Spirit came and it was like this rushing wind, like a freight train. He doesn't say freight train, they didn't have freight trains. But it came in like a freight train, like, like shakes the place, shakes the building, moves things. Like, like people that weren't Jesus followers noticed when the Holy Spirit showed up. And then God's people, they start speaking different languages and tongues and, and people start hearing their own language, right? The city center made up of multi-ethnic groups of people. They start hearing the gospel being proclaimed in their own language and it draws them out. 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. And then this happens, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to, say it with me, prayer. prayer. We have a prayer sandwich in Acts 1 and 2. That the Holy Spirit shows up. God starts doing some amazing things. The birth of this movement called the church, when it was written, it was called the way. The way started. It moved. It was on fire, and it was bookended by prayer. And you know what? It's not even a bookend, because bookend suggests that it was over. It was just the beginning. That prayer changed the spiritual atmosphere that the church was in, and the response was evident by all. It was powerful, but I'd always missed this, the prayer, the secret place, the gathering together in people's homes, not for show, not, not a sermon being preached, not a stage, not a worship service. Not, no, no, it, it was quiet. It was prayerful. It was community-driven. They were opening up the word. They were eating together and studying and praying together. Jesus' disciples, whom he spent so much time with, said, this is the first thing we ought to do. And there was an obvious link to the impact as a result. Don't focus on doing the focus on praying, the explosive response and reaction to the gospel was because God's people were praying together. Let's keep reading this. Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves, we just read this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Are you seeing the connection here between the church that was praying and the move of the Holy Spirit that happened in their midst? I told you, I, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. Uh, prayer was kind of this nebulous thing for me that I wasn't called to. If I'm being really honest with you, I just didn't know how to do it. 
It, it was intimidating to me. It felt pressure to me. It felt like I had to know what to say and how to say it. it felt like I was supposed to be quoting scripture or whatever. So, so growing up, like even as a family, we didn't really pray together other than maybe bedtime or meals or long trips. Like did, did, did anybody else have the prayer? Maybe if you grew up in West Michigan or grew up in a Christian family uh, before meals, like come Lord Jesus. Do you know this prayer? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. It sounds like a, like a Beauty and the Beast song, right? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. That, that was it. I was like, that's really different than a lot of the prayers I read in the Bible later in my adult life. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. I, I found this other one. I like this one a lot. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. <laughs> Amen. I mean, to the point, right? Succinct, direct, it's, I, I like it. Or, or when you would go on trips, we would always pray for vacations, which always made me think, like, are we at higher risk here for, like, death and vehicular accident? Like, we, we would pray for traveling mercies. Does anybody to this day know what those are? Right? Lord, just give us, give us the traveling mercies. Right? Mercy us while we're traveling on the road. Or a hedge of protection. I always had this image of, like, a giant fern that just surrounded our car. Like, Lord, thank you for the hedge of protection because nobody can even see us through the fern. I mean, that's right. My prayers growing up were very superficial. And I got to the point, especially in college, where I'm like, these, these aren't doing anything in me. They're not doing anything for me. I started meeting roommates and friends in college who actually had a real relationship with God, one that I didn't yet have. And their prayers were noticeably different. So I found myself, found myself, I'd go into my room late at night, right, when it's bedtime, I had my own tiny little room, I would go into my room, I would lock the door, I would turn the lights off to what, to what everybody else thought I was asleep, and I got on my knees and I started praying. I'd put headphones in, just instrumental music, like, God, would you just meet me? I don't know what to say, right, that song that we just, we just sang, I, I don't have words, I can't articulate what I'm asking you for, God, but, but would you just meet me? Here, here's some of the things I'm carrying. Here, here's some of the weight. Are you real? Would you show me you're real? Would you move? Would you? My prayer life changed. The thing that I had avoided for so much of my life, I, I was starting to develop this hunger for, this desire for, this draw, because it's like when I would step into that moment, everything would change. Everything would stop. Why, why is that the case? Because prayer is one of the central avenues that God uses to transform us. And when you start experiencing that, and when you start getting a taste of God's supernatural, unbelievable power, when you get a taste, and when he starts changing things on a heart level, it's like a drug you can't get enough of. You just keep getting drawn back and drawn back and drawn back, and you don't have to be a prayer warrior to feel that. But when you experience it, and when you experience God start to speak, and God start to move, and God start to provide, and God start to transform your heart, you can't get enough. This past year, I really tried to click into a different gear. Uh, when I first started here at Frontline, I found this quote. I hung it up in my office, and it bugged me, bugged the daylights out of me. This quote said this, if a non-believer or a non-follower of Jesus had your job, would they do it any differently? Does that bug anybody else? Like, ooh. And I, it always led me to this place of prayer. 
Because if I'm in the place of prayer and if I'm transformed in the place of prayer, that will actually change how I parent, how I relate to my spouse, how I lead decisions I come to, whether it's work or family or professional or communal neighborhood. If I can go into the place of prayer and operate out of there, nothing would be the same as a non-follower of Jesus. So I started getting this hunger a year ago. I found a mentor, somebody who was farther along than me, and I said, would you just teach me how to pray? Been a pastor for five years. I don't feel like I know how to pray. And man, this last year has been such a journey, but there's been so much freedom that I have experienced when I give my per- myself permission to learn how to pray. I read one quote even in preparation for today. It was an older gentleman, as he was penning these words, he said, you know, I've prayed my entire life now, and as I look back, I'm still trying to learn how to pray. Gave me hope. Gave me permission. Like, I can lean into this and learn. I don't have to have the the answers. I don't have to know how to do. I don't don't have to know what's going to happen or how it's going to work. But there is an invitation that God had for me and for us, for all of us in this room, that he says, would you come? Would you spend time with me? I will change and reorient your entire life in ways you can only imagine right now. But it's this gift. It's this opportunity that he's extending to all of us. It was in the secret place of prayer that my heart actually began to change. I love the, the whole learning piece as we, as we talk about leaning into learning. I mean, this last year, as Brian and I are transitioning our roles, one of the things I've prayed for, I've asked God, God, would you give me direction? Where are we headed as a church? This is your church, God. You're steering, you're driving. What is it? What is important to you? And I felt like the number one thing he said was prayer. That's super hard to hear if you're one that you feel like, man, I'm not a good prayer. So this journey that I've been on learning and learning and learning, it's like, okay, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me like you prayed. The disciples said this to Jesus. They said this in Luke 11, 1, Lord, teach us to pray. They looked at Jesus in their three, three and a half years that they were with him, and they noticed something was different when Jesus prayed versus when they prayed. Mark 1, 35, it says this. Here's a little glimpse into the prayer rhythm of Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. The disciples, most of them good Jews, right, grew up in Jewish tradition. They knew how to pray. Many of them prayed their entire lives. So they're growing up, they know how to pray, but then they experience Jesus, they see his prayer life, the effect of his prayer life, the ministry. In fact, when Jesus would retreat, it's funny, my eyes are always drawn to the explosive and big and powerful things that Jesus does, like healing giant groups of people and the whole town coming in and bringing in their sick or, or raising people from the dead or providing for people, giving them food. I always notice the big things. What I've missed is how many times Jesus retreats. And he disappears, and his disciples go, where's, where's Jesus? Did we lose Jesus? Are we all here by ourselves now? I mean, it's like you, you can see they're walking around, go, where, where did he go? And the, he'd be in a quiet place. He'd be with his father. He, all the way up leading to the eve of him going to the cross, Jesus constantly was escaping away from the crowd, escaping away from the disciples, getting into the secret place where his father and him had time. 
Jesus did that. And he invites us to do the exact same thing. I thought about this, right? They, they prayed all their lives, and yet something about the quality and quantity of Jesus praying caused them to see how little they knew about prayer. But don't miss this, but they were hungry. They wanted to learn. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Do you know that is a totally fair thing to ask your heavenly father? God, would you teach me how to pray? And how you learn is you keep going into that moment over and over and over and over again. It's that central avenue that God uses to transform us. Here's what I've learned, if I could summarize maybe even the last year. So often I'd been hungry, right, that, that prayer would lead me to an outcome. But what I've learned and what I've experienced and what I continue to learn is this, prayer is the outcome. That's God's desire for us. Said differently, prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. It's not to get something from him. It's not to convince him that we're worth him intervening in our lives. It's not getting him to, to treat us like he's a genie ready to provide or give us anything we ask. No, no, no. Prayer is the outcome that Jesus invites us to. It's the central avenue that God uses to transform us. So it would make sense if you don't want to be transformed, if you don't want to be changed, if you don't want anything to change or affect or, or have different in your heart, if you don't want that, there's a good chance prayer is a very low priority in your life. Here's why I can say that. That was me for at least a couple decades. But man, when you get excited, when you get hungry for the Holy Spirit to work and move and change something in your heart, prayer becomes this desire. There's a draw that comes from spending time with our Heavenly Father. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I, I love this quote. He says, Woe unto that man whose devotion is observed by everybody and who never offers a secret supplication. Supplication would be prayer. Woe to that man who prays for everyone to see but doesn't pray on his own. Secret prayer is the secret of prayer. Just let that sink for a second. Secret prayer, that's you and God. That's in your bedroom at night. That's on your knees before bed. That, that's at your workplace. You get there early and you just spend time praying over your employees or your coworkers. That's in the classroom as a teacher before your students walk in. That's praying through your neighborhood. You, everybody else thinks you're out for a run or you're out for a walk. No, no, you're praying and you're covering your street and your neighborhood and lost people with prayer. That's the kind of prayer that changes things. Secret prayer is the secret of prayer, the soul of prayer, the seal of prayer, the strength of prayer. If you do not pray alone, you do not pray at all. Wow. I care not whether you pray in the street or in the church or in the barrack room or in the cathedral, but your heart must speak with God in secret or you have not prayed. When we step into prayer, the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. That's why it's so important that's why Jesus reiterates to us over and over as he leads and teaches his disciples to pray as he prayed. 
What did you come in today carrying? What's heavy on your heart? I had a, a mentor years ago. Uh, I, I like this, the way he said it. He said, there's nothing more boring than a poorly led prayer meeting, but there's nothing more powerful than a powerful led prayer meeting. The difference there is God leads one, maybe I lead the other. Man, it's crazy how much my prayer time changes when I go, okay, Holy Spirit, you lead me. I may be in the place of leading prayer for my family or leading prayer on a Sunday or leading prayer in a group, but Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you bring power like only you can? What, what did you come in carrying today? Is there a loved one close to you that has a diagnosis that, that it's like your worst nightmare? Do you have a child or a grandchild that's just super far from the Lord? Is your workplace just toxic and it's like killing you? Do you feel alone? You feel like you don't have what it takes to do what's actually in front of you? Are you looking ahead to a mountain or a hill that you know you have to scale? There's no escaping it. You're fearful. You're afraid. You're full of anxiety and pressure. You're going, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. If that's what you're carrying today, you know what God says to that? Go ahead and bring it over. Bring it forward. Bring it to me. He gives us this invitation to just come and be with him, to bring what we have, to bring who we are, to bring what's burdening us and pressuring us. He, he invites us to bring it to him. And what we see even in the book of Acts is God doesn't just work through our prayers. God works in our prayers on us. He can bring peace like nobody can bring peace. He can bring purpose like nobody can bring purpose. Clarity and wisdom and direction and change and transformation. The Holy Spirit does some incredible work just in prayer. Think about how different we would be as a body, as a church, if we were known in our community by our prayers. What would that change in our school system? What would that change in the neighborhoods that are right outside of our parking lot? What, what would that change in the workplaces? What would that change in our friends' lives, in our families' lives, in our employees' lives, classrooms' lives? I mean, think, if we were a church that was known by our prayers, the, the possibilities of God working through his church are endless. Think about how your family could change, or your marriage, or your kids. The invitation that God has given us as a church is, come spend time with me. And it's in that place that he brings about change and transformation that can't be manufactured. If we want to see God work in our marriages, or work in our families, or work in our neighborhoods, work in our church, or our city, or our nation, or our world. It must be preceded by prayer. We've talked about revival today. Do you believe revival could happen? I do. But it will not happen aside from prayer. 
that maybe the invite God is giving us for the sake of our community and for the sake of our world, maybe God's just waiting. He's so hungry. He wants to see a move of his Holy Spirit. Maybe like we see in the book of Acts, maybe, maybe God's waiting for us as a church to join him in prayer. So that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed today in this service. That's where we're headed in the future. We, we just want to ask that God would come in, that God would lead us on an individual level, on a marriage level, on a family level, on a church level, on a global level. We, we want God to lead us, and it starts with prayer. Maybe the things that you've been holding on to, the things that you're, that you're just burdened by, God is inviting you, just bring them to me in prayer. You can trust him. As I thought about how to land this today, uh, I wanted to share with you one of the things that I've been doing now over the last year that's really changed my prayer life. I got a journal. I'm horrible at journaling. I'm horrible at it, but just, man, Brian, our lead pastor, has been such a good coach to me over the last few years. He's, he's taught me, like, man, capture these moments. Capture the things that are heavy on your heart. Capture the things that you're praying to God for because there's someday that you'll look back and you'll see how he's worked and how he's moved and how he's answered those prayers. My goodness, I'm only a year in and I'm already flipping through. Even last night, I'm flipping through and I'm seeing names of people that were here in first service already, seeing how God's using them and working in them and answering prayers. I'm seeing prayers answered for my family, for our church. I'm seeing, and I forget because the outcome now isn't just about God working through my prayer. The outcome now is spending time in prayer. Soren Kierkegaard has a quote. He says this, a man prayed and at first he thought that prayer was talking, but he came more and more quiet until in the end he realized prayer is listening. So here, here's what I do and here's the invitation for you this summer. Starting today, we're, we're gonna move into a time here in just a second of prayer for you. You don't have to wait till you get home. You don't have to wait till you get in the car. You don't have to wait. Just, just the invitation to you is right now to step into a time of prayer. What I do in my journal is I date it. I write down the date because someday the date will be significant to me. When did I pray for that? When did I ask that? What was I going through? I date it and then I write down, God, here's what I'm asking you for. Here's what's heavy on my heart. Here's what I'm bringing. I write these down because I forget. And then I pray and I offer those up and I lift those up and I head into the secret place and I walk and I listen to music, even like this. I say, okay, God, would you move? Would you lead me? I, we, this is what I want. This is what I'm asking for. This is the burden, God, that I'm carrying right now. And I give that back to you. And then I stop and I write down this. I write down here. What am I hearing? And I say, okay, Lord, I'm open. Would you speak to me? Would you speak to my situation? Would you speak to my heart? Speak to my soul. Speak to the longing. Speak to the pain. Speak to the woundedness. Speak to this moment right now, God. So this is what we're gonna do. We carved out space before the sermon. We're also carving out space right after for you to sit and to do just this. To say, okay, Lord, here's what I'm bringing to you. And then carve out space and ask him, Lord, what would you say to me? Let's do that together. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. 
If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.